Year after year, one of the most consistent items on my do something list is to have fun with fashion. Exploring my personal style has added more joy to my everyday life and helped me feel more like myself on the regular. However, I have found that there are some brands I would love to explore more, but they are out of my typical price range, or there's the it item that I would love to try out, but without the commitment of keeping it. Enter Armoire. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, you can build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new to you styles. I just did my quiz and have selected a few dresses for the summer from Bowdoin, one of my favorite brands that I can't typically afford. And I also got a double breasted black blazer from a new to me designer, a classic item that I have been on the hunt for, but too scared to commit to until I know it's the one. For you expecting mamas, for those who are working or those who are style obsessed, who want to switch out your wardrobe with quality pieces without the designer prices, check out this woman owned company that has your style and your sustainability in mind. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash progress. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash progress to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to About Progress. I'm Monica Packer, a regular mom and recovering perfectionist who uncovered the truest model to dramatic but lasting personal growth. It's progress made practical. Join us to leave the extremes behind and instead learn how to do something to grow in ways that stick. If you like practical tips about really complicated things like you're going to hear today, then you will also love my new course called The Sticky Habit Method. In it, you'll get the practical know-how you need to be confident in creating habits that last. You can find it at aboutprogress.com slash sticky habit method. Relationships are complicated. Biggest does statement ever, for sure. We all know that relationships are complicated, but it never ceases to surprise me or my friends or even women that I hear from across this community, how it seems like relationships are both the purpose of life but often life's greatest challenge too. Today is all about your relationship with your aging parents. And if you happen to be the aging parent listening, this can also help you understand your adult children. 
But why this particular relationship? Because it's one of the most important, arguably the most impactful, and of course, often the most complicated. Whether you're an adult child trying to improve your relationship with an older parent, or maybe you're the older parent trying to understand your adult child, I invited Jody Moore on the show to give three of the wisest tips I've ever heard to better navigate these relationships. Jody is a prolific coach, podcaster, speaker, and now writer with her new super popular book called Better Than Happy. And I finished it myself. I loved it. She has changed millions of women's lives, mine included. And I am so honored to have her on. And I'm so excited that you get to hear something a little different from her too. The last third of the episode, we did a play on that old Dear Abby column and did a little Dear Jody session. I asked community members to share their biggest, I'm struggling with my aging parent questions and I compiled them into the most common, and we did a quick rapid fire session where Jody gave her two cents. And of course, those two cents are worth way more than just that. Welcome back to About Progress, Jody. It's so great to have you. Thank you for having me, Monica. I'm so happy to be here. It was quite the, the thing for me to really puzzle my way through. What do I want to talk to Jody more about? Because the, the answer is everything. Um, <laughs> but I was able to narrow it down to something that comes up, not only within my circle of friends, but also in my larger community of how we as women tend to struggle as adults with our aging parents who are also adults. And just that confusing, complex, but yet still a really important relationship and how to navigate that in a better way. So before we dig into everything, I wanted to hear more from your experience and your community, what you've seen there about how common do you think it is that people struggle with their relationship with their aging parents and why it still has such an effect on us, even though we are grownups after all. Mm-hmm. It's so common. In fact, I think not not struggling in this area is very uncommon in my experience anyway. And maybe that's because people are coming to me with problems. They're not coming to me necessarily to share the areas where everything's working, but, um, I, I think it's definitely a very common challenge. Um, and, you know, I've thought a lot about what is the reason why I just think that we have so much subconscious baggage, maybe you would call it, or just programming emotional experiences from being raised by these people, right. During our really formative times of our lives, we're interacting with these people and there's so much change that's happening both, um, at our end, as we grow up and mature and evolve and start to become, you know, the people that we choose to become instead of the people that our parents are trying to mold us into, we're changing rapidly Mm -hmm. and our parents are changing, right. As they get older and they're evolving dynamic people as well, even though they, you know, we start out knowing them as mature adults, they still are changing and evolving. Mm -hmm. And I think the degree of change, the emotion 
tied to the experiences and the way our brains are forming when we're young and how that impacts us makes this possibly the most challenging relationship of our lives. I really do think that. Oh, like as a parent, I kind of feel dread (laughs) when Uh you say that, but at the same time, just being able to accept that as a fact, both for ourselves, as we're navigating relationships with our aging adult parents and as we become that aging adult parent and trying to navigate it with our younger adult children, mm-hmm. just even knowing that's something that we're going to have to keep working on is kind of a empowering relief. Yeah. And I think I, I don't mean to say like, we're all doomed. <laughs> Kids are going to hate us because <laughs> I've sure. asked myself that too. Like, am I doomed to just like I have good, I feel like I have healthy, good relationships with my kids. And I have a couple teenagers even, and I feel like we have good relationships. And I ask myself all the time, is that going to change at some point? Are, yeah. are we doomed to that? And I, I, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that being aware of it, like you said, Monica, knowing that, that this is a common challenge, I think means that we can um, even be preventative in ways. So for example, my daughter who is almost 15 goes to a therapist every Friday after school. And she doesn't have like, you know, like clinical anxiety or anything like that. She doesn't have anything that in my generation, anyone would have said, maybe you should talk to a therapist. She just wants someone to talk to. That's not her mom or dad. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I think that's a very healthy thing. And so I said, okay, she, she's actually the one who said, mom, I think I want to start seeing a therapist. I was like, all right. So we found a therapist that she talks to. And I, you know, she tells me little bits of what they talk about. And I'm in touch with the therapist a little, and it's nothing. It's just the kinds of conversations that she and I have, but she wants someone to talk to who's not her mom. And I totally get that. And I'm happy to pay for that because I know how challenging the parent child relationship is. So even little things that we can do like that, just preventatively, I think, you know, can be useful. So I love that example because, especially because you didn't make that something about you. Yeah. I'm like, you talk to the therapist, I'll pay the bill. It's a win. Yeah. (laughs) Love it. You definitely practice what you preach. I do have one theory that I find to be really helpful uh, again about why this relationship is so challenging for us and for our aging parents, right? Yeah. It's challenging on both ends. And so I like to think about when we're babies, we're in the, the very low, what we might call one down position, right? Mm-hmm. Like we can't do anything on our own, we're completely dependent on our parents who are the capable ones. And then as we get older, even by the time we're toddlers, we can do some things on our own. And we suddenly want to do some of those things on our own. And then as we continue to grow and become teenagers, again, we can do even more and we can make decisions on our own and we become more mature. And the natural way of things is that um, the, our, our sort of one down in relationship to our parents should slowly be moving up closer to where the parents are. Mm-hmm. And then there's this weird crossing point, maybe like late teenage years, early adult years for the the kids at which we're sort of equal technically. Mm -hmm. And then the parent starts to move into more the one down position in many cases as their health declines physically, maybe even their mental health declines, right. As we get older and, and now the child becomes the more capable, maybe more responsible one. And 
that is really uncomfortable for people, especially if we don't allow the change to happen. If we don't allow, if, if the parents don't allow the child to take on more responsibility or, or children don't recognize that they're more capable and that their parents aren't perfect and maybe mm. don't even know more than them in, in a healthy way, then it, it just causes friction. I feel like we fight against what should be a natural change. Okay. So anyway, yeah, that all makes sense. I feel like we can all, we all know what that shift is like and, yeah. and the, the tug of war that comes with that internally and oftentimes externally too, mm-hmm. and, and navigating it. So you brought up a, a shift in roles can often be that one of the big factors, what are some other common issues that you see, or, uh, you know, similar to the role shifts, what factors are coming up for people that are challenging this relationship? I would say the kinds of issues I see most commonly are first of all, um, unmet expectations. Okay. So if we're, if we're talking about this from the perspective of the adult child, right. Then it's, I coach just as often on, I don't understand why my mom doesn't watch my kids. Sometimes Mm. she's not more helpful or she doesn't come and want to come and visit us. She doesn't want to be involved in our lives. I coach on that just as often as the opposite. I don't understand why my mom won't give us space. Why does she think she has to be at every soccer game or come to everything? Mm. Right. So it's, it's like two sides of the same coin, which is I have a picture of how my mom should be in my life at this point, what kind of grandma she should be, et cetera. And she's not doing it right. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And vice versa and vice versa. Yes. Um, yeah, of course it goes both ways. Um, I see that a lot. And then I, it, it also another version of that is just sort of judgment in general of, I can't believe they're not taking COVID more seriously, or I can't believe they're so nervous about COVID and they don't just relax. Or I can't believe my dad lets my mom do these things. Or my mom lets my dad talk to her that way. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, as we become more mature and now we, we have a little bit wider perspective on our parents, on their marriage, on their Mm -hmm. life, on their money, et cetera. Then we start to have judgment of it. And, um, I think that can be dangerous. Okay. Yeah. So we have shifting roles, unmet expectations, judgment. I'm sure there's more, but I feel like those probably are the three most common and all encompassing of what's coming up. So I would like to shift to talking about what to begin to do about this. So if you want, you're in this place, or at least one of those, and you want to improve your relationship with your aging parents, Mm -hmm. what are some big picture pieces of advice that you could give to them? three things I thought would be helpful to share today. So the first one is I recommend that you redefine your relationship with your mom or dad, or sometimes it's in-laws even right. Mm. And, and when I say redefine, I mean, for yourself, whether or not you have a conversation with them about it is another, another, uh, story. Like in some situations, maybe that's appropriate. In some cases it's not the main job you have to do is decide for yourself who do I want to be in relation to these people? So who do I want to, what kind of daughter do I want to be? That's a different question than what kind of daughter do I think I should be? What kind of daughter am I, what is a good daughter supposed to do? Right. And that's how 
most of us are thinking until we pause and slow it down. Um, sometimes it comes from what we think they think we should be or who we should be in relation to them. And all of that's worth considering. I'm not saying what your parents would like of you is irrelevant, but it can't be the final deciding factor or there will always be resentment. Hmm. Right. So it's, I kind of like the idea of periodically, like depending on what's going on, if your parents are aging rapidly, you might have to redefine it every year. Right. If you, Hmm. if you have parents who are getting older and are now sick and they need your full-time care, your role in their life is totally different. Right. But, um, if that's not the case, it might be enough to do it every three years or so and just redefine. Okay. So based on now where I'm am in my life, where my kids are in their lives, what, what we're doing and what's going on with my parents, who do I want to be in relation to them? It's a, actually a tough question to answer, but really important. Well, I think it's tough, but like you said, vital. So there's mm-hmm. gonna, there, you're going to have to dig deep in that. But also it's so clarifying. It removes yeah. all those, the shoulds, the supposed to. So I find that really helpful. Yeah, definitely. What's the next one you have for us? Okay, so the second one I have, and this kind of speaks to what we talked about earlier with the, sh- the shifting um, levels of accountability and things. I think it's helpful to remember that you may be more capable, at least in some areas of being a human than your parents are now. And again, that's a hard thing for us because we, we grew up being the less capable ones. They were always taking care of us. So I think this is obvious to see physically, right? At some point, my kids are going to be physically more capable than I am. My health's mm-hmm. going to decline as there's, you know, as they grow and mature and get stronger. That's, and so at some point that will likely happen physically for many people that happens financially, many, many times, um, kids go on to become more successful financially than their parents were. Okay. So those are like kind of the easy ones to see. And I feel like with those two, we tend to not be resentful, right? In most cases, most kids are not resentful. If they have an aging parent and they choose to take care of them, they're not like, geez, mom, why can't you get up the stairs anymore? Right. Yeah. Yeah. But the one that we're not as consciously aware of where we do build resentment is emotionally. I think that, um, younger generations, like I look at my kids, they are emotionally healthier than I was at their age because they're being taught things in schools that we just weren't taught. We, our awareness and our understanding of mental health and emotional health, it just continues to get better. So they're emotionally healthier. And they, by the time they're my age, they'll probably be emotionally healthier than I am right now at my age. Hmm. Right. So if we look at our parents, then they may, and this isn't always the case, but you may have parents that are emotionally less capable or less aware or less mature than you are. And that's okay. That's not a reason to judge them and get mad or think, you know, look back on your childhood. It's tempting to look back and go, oh, I can't believe they taught me this thing or they didn't do it this way. And they did the best they could. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, better maybe, or are more capable or more mature or what have you. Okay. So let's 
take on that role then of being the emotionally mature one. It's okay. I promise you can still have a healthy relationship, but it sort of comes from that acknowledgement of like, I might be the one who's a little bit more mature emotionally. Never would have thought of that one. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense even for now, but thinking of my, my children too, never would have thought of that. And what's hard is a lot of people tend to, especially if you don't live in the same town as your parents, maybe you only see them once a year or something, right? We tend to, when we go home or go to where mom and dad are, for some reason, a part of us wants to revert back to our less mature selves, right? We go my back eyes to are like, so wait, big. Yes. I know, but it's, like, it's not my turn to do the dishes. It's your turn <laughs> to do the dishes. And then you're like, wait a second. Like I'm happy to yeah. help with the dishes. So it's easy for us to, for some reason, when we get in that environment or around our parents, revert back to our less emotionally mature selves. Yeah. You don't have to do that. All you have to do is be consciously aware of it in order to override that function. But anyway, so I'm curious how that relates to one other thing I see going with that is reverting back to the role you were prescribed within your family structure. Like you're the funny one, or Mm -hmm. you're, you're the one who is so spacey. You never follow through, or you're the one who can never be wrong. You're the know-it-all. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's I think we definitely, I mean, we just tend to fall back into our old roles, right? Whether they were given to us or we took them on or what have you. Um, we move away. We are often able to work through things and then we go home and fall right back into it, at least in moments. Mm-hmm. And, um, again, it, it's not, it's not impossible to not do that. It's just, again, rather than let yourself just be on default, I like to do what I call pre-coaching. If I'm going to be in a situation that I think might be challenging for me to keep being my best self, I do some pre-coaching, which is okay. What do I want to think? Who do I want to be while I'm there? And I try to picture myself in the certain settings. Like if my brother does point at me and go, oh yeah, you are always the one who's so high maintenance or whatever. Um, how do I want to think about it? And, and what do I want to believe about myself and my brother or my family or what have you? Um, and so it's like a little bit of just being aware of it in advance will go a really, really long way. Okay. No, that makes total sense. Much more after the break. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And what's, what's your next one? And then the third one I have is, um, and again, we touched a little bit on this, but I think with that, with our, our parents and the way they're living their lives, we have to be aware of judgment disguised as love. I think it's really easy to develop 
you know, we all as adults have our own opinions, our own views of the world. And sometimes our parents aren't living that way. And uh, sometimes we can see how our parents, just like they used to do with us, ironically, we can see how they are limiting their lives or they're causing themselves misery or unhappiness, or they're putting themselves in danger in our opinions. And so it's easy to have judgment of their life, but to call it, well, it's just because I love them. Mm-hmm. Like I tend to do this with my dad because he watches the news like all day <laughs> and then he gets, <laughs> and then he gets worried about things going on mm-hmm. in the world. Mm-hmm. And I'm constantly like, dad, stop watching the news so much. Like it's, it's just warping your perception. I think think. And it's not, I just don't think it's useful to watch as much news as you watch. Right. And to me, that feels like it's because I love my dad. I don't want to see him worried, but the truth is it's judgmental, right? It is because a part of me thinks, oh, he's so foolish. If he would just listen to what I'm saying. Right. And, and that's just one tiny example. We do this in all kinds of ways, but our parents have agency too, just like us. And they're supposed to, and we can't possibly know how they should live their lives. Mm. And, um, sometimes we take on the burdens that are theirs. And that's, I I heard Rob Bell say this recently that I keep repeating. He said, if it feels heavy, it's because you've taken on a burden that isn't yours to carry. So this excess weight that we carry around decisions that our, our aging parents are making, it's because we've crossed the line into their business. Be one thing if, if my dad's asking me for help, hmm. but he's not, he's just telling me what he saw on the news. Wow. Each of those were so impactful to me. And, and, and like, there's kind of a thread here, just being aware of these is yes. often the first step, but the most easy to overlook or forget about just even being aware. And then what comes next is how to actually move through it better, which all of your work teaches how to do, how to do it better. So I actually am wondering if you'd be willing to do something a little different with me. You know, that dear Abby column growing up, um, I've had some scenario sent in. I love that. We could do like a dear Jody. Now let's do it. Let's do a quick disclaimer though. And say, um, and not like the whole, like official don't get sued disclaimer, but more of a, (laughs) more of a, this is not, if you were able to do a coaching session with each of these people, you'd Mm -hmm. be able to go to a lot more depth, get a lot more answers, a lot more circumstance, um, around what you're going to share with them. So this is more of like one piece of advice, just even one piece of advice you can give to this person who is facing this scenario. I love it. Okay. So we'll just do a couple and see, and see how many we get through. Um, okay. Here's the first one. Dear Jody, I used to be really close to my dad, but the last few years have really fractured our relationship. He does not meet eye to eye with me politically, socially, or even religiously. Because of that, I feel like I can't speak near as openly as I used to with things that really matter to me. And it's very painful. What advice do you have on this situation? Such a good one. Um, What I would offer to this person is to remember that closeness, right? Connection, we might say in a relationship 
is something that happens internally. It happens in your mind and in your heart. We tend to think of it as something that happens externally. Like if I can share my thoughts and my dad hears me out and we can have conversations, right? Then we're close and connected. But connection comes from the way you're thinking and feeling about your dad. Hmm. So, I mean, that's why like, you know, Monica, people who listen to your podcast and people who listen to me on my podcast tell me that they feel like we're best friends. And we, I've never even spoken to them, right? (laughs) You've never even met people who feel so close to you. They feel so connected to you Hmm. because of the way they think about you. And so it might be that the type of connection is going to shift a little bit. It might be that you don't get to have dialogue around topics like you used to. I mean, you always can, but if it's too challenging to maintain how you want to feel, then it's okay not to do that. But the way you're thinking about your dad right now is disconnecting you. You're wanting him to be different. You're wanting him to still have more similar views than you do. But what if you dropped all of that and you decided it's a beautiful thing that he views the world the way he does and I view it the way I do and I just love him and I want him to go towards what he feels good about, just like I'm going to go towards what I feel good about. And whether you have, again, conversations around that or not, I don't know but you've got to clean up the way you're thinking and feeling about your dad. That's what connects you. Okay. Thank you for that. The next one is kind of related. Dear Jody, growing up, I never went through a big rebellious phase with my parents. I always had a lot of respect and love for them, but I've been surprised as an adult by how disillusioned I feel about them. I find myself feeling resentful, angry, or even a little rebellious. And it's made it hard for me to have strong relationships with them. What should I do? Yeah, this is such a great example of what we were talking about, where the dynamic shifts from the one down, one up position. I think you go through this point. A lot of people go through this stage at which you realize, like as young kids, we kind of think, especially if we have like what we would say are decent parents, then we tend to think that they know everything and they're so wise and they're so they're never afraid and they just take care of me. And that's an amazing thing to have that experience as a child. But then you get older and you realize, Oh, wait a second. They don't know everything. And in fact, they are afraid and and they make mistakes. And actually I can look back on my past and see mistakes that now I think they made. And so that feels unsettling to us. Um, But again, to remember that they've always been imperfect. They've always been human beings. We just weren't able to see that at some point. Mm -hmm. And it's a very good thing for you to understand that. And it doesn't mean that they're any less lovable or amazing or valuable today than they were when you were three years old and thought that they held the world in their hands. So you weren't wrong then, and you're, you're not wrong now. And it's also just your perception that's changing. It's not your parents changing. And so you have to sit with the discomfort of it a little bit, but it is available to you to shift through it. If you remember that kind of like we talked about, you may be more capable than them in some ways, and that's okay. And that's a very good thing. Fantastic. Okay. The next one, dear Jody, I am a new young mother and find myself making decisions that are different than the way my mom raised me. When I talk to her about them, just sharing my points of views, she gets very defensive, even though I'm not on the attack and I'm not judging her. 
How can I have more confidence in my own decisions? And how much should I actually share with my mom about my parenting choices? Mm, Good questions. So one of the things that I like to point out and have to remind myself of all the time is that I am not responsible for other people's emotions. So in this situation, I would say you're not responsible for your mom's emotions. It doesn't mean that you don't care how she feels. It doesn't mean you're not considerate of like, if I tell her this thing, it might hurt her feelings. Right. Mm -hmm. Of course we're considerate, but we're, we're never responsible. We're never in charge of how people feel. That's step one. Step two, I am a hundred percent responsible for my emotions. Okay. We tend to get them confused. We think like my mom hurt my feelings and I feel bad that I hurt her feelings. We cross them. Right. So we want to begin by separating that out. So if I feel insecure or this, this young mom is saying, I like, how can I feel confident about my decisions? Well, you just have to decide to get your own back and believe that you're doing what feels right. And that half of what you're doing, you're going to look back at one day, maybe, and go, maybe that wasn't right. And that's mm-hmm. doesn't, it's still the way of it. That's called being a mom, being a human, right? So you have to choose to be confident in your decisions. If you want to be confident, don't wait for your mom to validate it. It's not her job. It's your job. And then second of all, again, be considerate of your mom who think mm-hmm. When you ask, you know, when she asks, how much should I share with her? Well, that's a personal decision. Like, what's my reason for sharing it? If I'm going to tell her this because I'm trying to get her validation that it's a good decision or a little part of me wants to stick it to her and point out how she didn't do it right, then that's probably not my best reasoning. But if I'm just feeling like connecting and sharing this with my mom, then I'm going to dis, I'm going to let go of being in charge of how she feels. I might say, if she st- suddenly feels attacked, right? I might say, mom, I'm so sorry you feel attacked. That's not what I meant at it by that at all, but it's still not my responsibility to own it. I just use it as information going forward. Okay. So, so many layers to each of these, I know. but you are somehow <laughs> hitting them all. It's amazing <laughs> to watch. Do you have time for one last one? Yeah, totally. Okay. Dear Jody, my husband and I are now approaching middle age which means our children are getting older and we are really intent on creating strong relationships with them and spend more time with them. The problem is, is that my parents and by nature, all of my siblings want to spend massive amounts of time together, including any vacations we go on. I am feeling like the tide is shifting and I'm ready to spend more time with my own family but I'm having a hard time separating myself without offending all of them. Mm, Okay. This is a good one for point number one that we talked about where I would suggest that this person redefine your relationship with your family, because again, you're at a point where, you know, like she said, my kids are getting older. I want to spend time with them time without all of the extended family. Cause that minimizes the interaction that we get to have. Right. So it's time for you to redefine the way you want to live your life with regards to your immediate family and your extended family. And again, it doesn't have to be a big conversation necessarily. It might just be like, I've decided that I want to go on a vacation with my extended family once a year, but the rest of the time it's just my immediate family, or maybe I don't want to travel with all of them at all for the next few years, right? Whatever you decide to define it as, 
Um, I know we develop these traditions, right? And then it feels hard to break out of. If you're used to getting together with all your family, every Sunday night, you get together for dinner and suddenly you decide that you kind of want something different, then it feels so um, dramatic to step out of it. But it's only dramatic if you make it dramatic in your mind. Hmm. You just decide at this point, the way I want to be in relation to my family is this. I want to have Sunday dinner once every three months and the rest we do on our own or what have you. And then you communicate that with love, right? When it comes down to it. Hey, listen, extended family. I love you guys so much. This is one of the principles I teach is telling the truth, but you have to tell the whole truth. Okay. The truth isn't just, I love you guys. And I don't, I'm not coming for Sunday dinners anymore, or we're not traveling with you anymore. The truth is also, and I feel really bad because I'm afraid you're going to get your feelings hurt. And I'm afraid Mm -hmm. you're going to think that this is because we don't love you. But it has nothing to do with that. I just really want some individual time with my older kids before they leave the house. And if you do choose to get mad, you totally can. You have good reason to, and I love you anyway. And I'll be right here. If you want to talk. Like that's the whole truth, right? And and maybe the whole truth for some people is I haven't been being honest actually for the last couple of years. I sort of, this is sort of a lot for me, these Sunday dinners or these trips together, but I do it because I love you. And I know some of you love it and some of my family loves it, but we're going to make a change now. And this is the reason why, and we love you. And we hope that you're not offended. We hope you understand, but you get to feel however you want to. And I just love you. So it's, it's redefining what you want and not thinking that because you've been doing it one way, you have to keep doing it that way. And then tell the whole truth. The whole truth is messy Mm -hmm. and it doesn't really make sense. And it requires vulnerability, but the whole truth is so lovable. Usually it's hard for us to resist somebody who's being genuine and vulnerable and open in the end. That's another common thread behind everything you've taught us today is to lead with love and how even setting boundaries that can be complicated or messy or uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. um, and having hard conversations or doing things differently, it can still be done with love and with you being the person you want to be and showing up as that person, which gives me a lot of hope. That's right. A lot of hope. It's so much more honest though, than what we do, what the alternative is, which is pretending and people pleasing Mm -hmm. and then resenting and blaming them for how we feel. That's actually the vulnerability is kind of scary, but it's a useful kind of, of discomfort. It's discomfort that is going to move you closer to who you want to be. And usually is healthy for relationships. The other kind of discomfort keeps you stuck and spinning in a place that you can never get out of until you choose the vulnerability. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's a vulnerability. I hope you know, I can choose better as well as all the women who are listening to have the courage to lean into the one that's going to make things ultimately feel better. Even if it's not everyone happy, like not everyone is happy with what you are doing. Um, so let's actually talk about your book better than happy. I'm going to hold it up, even though nobody's going to see this video. Um, (laughs) it is so well done. I love how it's so principle-based. I love how it's structured and also it's like a book of dear Jody's. Um, it's, it's, it's both, um, the big picture that people need to have as well as how to apply it practically in their lives. Um, I want to just hear like, what have you loved about having this book out and what do you hope people take away from it? Um, yeah, thank you. It's been so much fun having this book available. Um, 
I tried to create a book that was both a spiritual book. So there is a, a large spiritual component for anyone that's spiritual and then a practical tools. Like how do I, mm. for me, that's what happened when I found coaching was I've, I've been a member of the LDS faith my whole life and, um, and pretty much always believed it. But then when I found coaching, I realized, oh, this is how I do all these things that I've been trying to do. For example, um, forgiveness, right? How do you, Mm. I want to forgive. We all agree. It's useful. We should Christ forgave everyone. And we, we all understand that it's to our benefit to forgive, but how do you forgive someone if they really did do something that we all would agree is really terrible. And then they're not even apologetic. Yeah. You just forgive them. It's just that easy. No, it's not that easy. And so, um, I tried to connect the dots on what for me has been really powerful in my life, which is what I, what I believe from a, a spiritual aspect. And then the tools of human behavior and the way the brain works and the way emotions work and how you put the two together. So mm-hmm. that's been really fun. Well, for the record, my favorite chapters were grace agency, love one another. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I can see <laughs> how that all has to relate to relationships and my own, my own struggles with, with that as an adult, which is ironically why you're here today and how it comes all full circle. So we'll, we'll, where should they get the book? Is it about anywhere they can think of? Yeah. I mean, Amazon is probably the easiest place to get it in all the versions. If you like an audio book, you can get that or Kindle or whatever, uh, Amazon or at Deseret book or faith matters. Okay, great. If they want to learn more from you, where should they go? Yeah, you can just, um, I have a podcast also called better than happy. Um, or you can find me online, jodymore.com. So fantastic. Jody, this has been a privilege for me. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. It's been so fun. I hope this episode gave you the hug and kick in the pants that you need to grow. If you want to go back in our archive and listen to more, that I've done with Jody in the past, listen to episode 110. It's called How to Stop Apologizing. I'm now going to share the progress pointers from this episode, and these are the notes that I take so you don't have to, and those on my go-getter newsletter, get them in a graphic form each week. Number one, it's very common as adults to struggle navigating relationships with our own parents and vice versa. We carry a long history yet we've all changed or not so much. Number two, factors that contribute to the struggle include a shift in roles, unmet expectations, and judgment. Number three, to improve this relationship, one, start with redefining the relationship. This means you decide who you want to be in relation to them. Number four, next, this is the second tip, acknowledge where you are more capable physically mentally and emotionally, and accept that position instead of falling back into your old roles. And number five, finally, tip number three, be aware of judgment disguised as love. Agency needs to be honored on both sides of the relationships. If you're not already on the Go Get Our Newsletter and you're like, I really need those tips all ran out for me, you can just go to aboutprogress.com slash getter. Now, the do something challenge from this week's episode is I just want you to think about Jody's first tip and ponder how you want to be in relation to your aging parents. 
And if you get around to doing that, share it with me. You can DM me, you can email me, you can share it on social media and tag me too. And I like to pull from those who do the do something challenges and highlight them as progressor spotlights on our growth spur episodes, which show up twice a month. Before we go, I have to remind you that coming up on September 14th is a major free class I'm teaching that will change so much for you. It's called the number one reason why women must do habits differently. You can sign up at aboutprogress.com slash habit class. And if it's past that date, you can still check the link to see if there's a permanently available version yet. And there should be in the future sometime soon. Thank you so much for listening. Now go and do something with what you learn today. Number one, it's very common as adults to struggle navigating relationships to our own parents and vice versa. Shoot. Let's try that again. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.